great morning, everybody. Great Monday morning. Monday, our floor celebration, and hopefully you are celebrating wherever you are. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. This is uh, Tom Miller, and I'm so excited to be leading this lesson with you today. Our mission, Leaders Building Leaders, is to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. And, and when we really, when we really, really dive down and when we really, really think about it, we want to make a difference with people who want to make a difference with their people, right? So it's so important. And so we're so excited that every Monday at 10 or you hop on an archive and you, we want to make a difference with you, right? We value you. We believe in you. We know you're going to make a difference. We're here to help you with that. So it's just so exciting to be able to live out our mission on a daily basis. So today is second week. I'm sorry, it's February. We're starting our second week of uh, February, which means next week uh, we will have our Lisa's Legal Series, and, 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 and Jeff will be leading his uh, Thursday call at Tuesday, his uh, Thinking Partner call. So just, just always, always a lot of buzz and excitement and opportunities around here. Uh, this past weekend, we were able to host a retreat uh, for charter school boards, and we had six, six boards there. And it was really exciting just to, just to hear their, you know, to, to see them communicate with more clarity as we went through the retreat and the exercises we did, really focusing on you know, being ensuring, right, teaching them to ensure that their organization is going to meet its promise to the community. So it's really exciting uh, when we're able to get that many boards all together. And uh, so, so excited to be working with, uh, partnering with Team uh, CFA Schools to, to help them be the difference, right? So as I said, our mission, or why we wake up every day, is to be the difference. In, and we want to work with people who want to make a difference. And you can just tell from that room of the 25 to 30 people that were in there, they are they are in it on a Saturday to make a difference in the lives of of others. And then we will obviously have our governance webinar the last Thursday of every month. We will be focusing on how to recruit, orient, and develop uh, board members. So be looking uh, for that and make sure that you afford any information to your board regarding those opportunities for their professional development. This lesson that we got going on uh, today, really exciting. And uh, this, this, this you know, quote pretty much says it all. We're all one step away from stupid. We're all one step away from stupid. So I wanted to share some of my experiences of failure and how I moved. I was able to move from a learning model of failure and turn that into a learning model of achievement because honestly, as I've already said twice, we're all one step, one choice, one action away from stupid. And the choices we make, they make us and they shape us. And there's no need to wish you're somewhere else because you are right where you're supposed to be based upon the choices you have made. doesn't mean you have to stay there, right? It is what it is, but it's not what it has to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. And where your focus goes, your energy flows. And if it flows towards being stupid, well, 
It is what it is. And for me, my energy certainly flowed towards being stupid for about 10 years. And I'm going to tell my story in a second. So I loved reading this. I'm reading, I'm going through a book study, uh, Napoleon Hill's um, classic from the 30s. Um, he talks about in, his, in, in a chapter on desire and persistence, every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. Every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. People who take risks and function on a mindset of failing forward really have a leg up on their competition. That's, 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 that's what that quote means to me, that, that if you're willing to take risks and you have a, a constant system in place to be, to be reflecting upon your decisions and your actions and your organization and your leadership ability, just your personal life. You've got a system in place and a mindset, a growth mindset of, all right, it just didn't work this way. What else do I need to learn? Right? I'm failing forward. I'm learning how not to do things. You have a leg up on your competition. Right? So I just love that quote. Every failure brings with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. So it made me think about what are some of the factors that impact one to have a growth mindset. Is it is it a personality? Is it experiences? Upbringing, right? Parenting, confidence, self-image, opportunities. Have you all met those individuals that go through life pretty much blaming everybody else for their downfall? You know, they blame the government, they blame the president, they blame their teacher in third grade, you know, they blame everybody except looking in the mirror at themselves at the choices that they have made, right? So I think this is really important when we think about some of the factors that impact one to have a growth mindset compared to a closed mindset. What was it about their early stages of life, their early decades of life that made them be so closed, right? Was it the people they hung around with? Was it that grandmother in the ear? Well, I've told you the story of my grandmother every time I talk to her. Tommy, can you pay your bills? <laughs> you know? You sure you want to start your own business? It's really hard. Right? That constant that constant voice, right? So I want you to be thinking about that as as we're going through here and we and we start talking about actions towards having a more of an open growth mindset. So so this this whole lesson came about uh my team and I, Jeff and Shannon, we have another team member here in Raleigh. We are leading a Youth Max leadership program, teaching second to fifth graders at a local public charter school how to lead, right? The characteristics of leadership, and and with that, we we you know gift them the book. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn for teens, and it's a little bit you know out of their reading age range, but 
we want to make sure we get in their hands, you know, so that parents can read it. But, but you know, and sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. If if you've read that, you know, your your greatest learning comes from your losses, right? Okay. And and so I was really really thinking about this, and I couldn't remember if I've done any lessons on you know failing forward for this. So I really wanted to focus on this, and and as I started to uh, uh, develop this uh, this uh, lesson and teaching, it was amazing the thoughts that started to come to me. So so. The first part, you know, why why do losses hurt so much, right? So let's just think about that. Why do losses, why do failures hurt so much? Number one, they make you emotionally stuck, right? When you make decisions and they don't go well and it's over and over and over again, you get emotionally stuck, right? You start to you start to fear that, right? It's hard not to be a slave to your mood. You know, oh, someone's got a case of the Mondays, right? You know, maybe last night, hoping the Panthers would pull it off, and they didn't, you know, so you're a slave to your mood, you're emotionally stuck, right? Cam Newton had a hard press conference last night. Guarantee he's going to be regretting that. You know, emotionally stuck, right? Losses hurt, and they cause us to be emotionally stuck. With more losses piled on top of each other, it kind of creates a habit of daily defeated thoughts, right? Ever have that teacher or ever have that staff member or that parent, and every idea you give them, they immediately say, no, it won't work, right? They have that daily defeated thought. No, this child just can't learn. No, those interventions won't work. No, I don't have the money. No, we can't do this. Daily defeated thoughts. Well, it's okay. Someone, you know, you know, tax man will just come and take that anyway, right? But Debbie down. Won't, won't. So losses hurt so much. They make you emotionally stuck. They, they put you in a habit of just thinking negatively, right? So I try not to watch the news in the morning. The news is all filled with just negativity. I don't want to start my day with that, right? Losses hurt so much they create a gap between what I did and what I should do. Right? They create the gap between what I did, right, the choice I made, and what I should do. Right? A lot of people will try something, doesn't work, done. Right? Not, okay, what I should do differently. Right? They don't have that mentality. Oh, what steps should I take to do it differently? What are some options that I have here? This morning I was reading, uh, um, my wife and I are going through Financial Peace University, and Dave, Dave Ramsey is talking about the lottery. He's talking about the lottery. And he, this, is, this is amazing, right, to, 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 to think about from a poverty consciousness that on average people who don't have college degrees spend on average $173 a month on lottery. You know, people who are in lower economic status, $173 a month. People who have college degrees spend on average $43 a month on lottery in a study. Where does that come from? Why would somebody, you know, it's amazing the money that we spend because of our mindset. Our mindset is this quick fix to get rich instead of using your powers and your resources and your knowledge and a plan 
to 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 just use your income to support you financially. It's mind blowing. Chapter five, I think, or chapter four of of the total money makeover was all about that. It, it, the statistics blew me away, and it made me really think about this whole learning from failure, right? Learning from failure over and over and over and over again. They will try to do the definition of insanity, right? They'll they'll try to buy more lottery tickets to hit the big one. Dave said, he said, oh, what a genius plan. So here we go. We've got we got poor people because, you know, folks will say, oh, I buy lottery tickets because it helps the education, right? It helps the education lottery in North Carolina. He goes, yeah, so that makes sense. we got poor people <laughs> contributing money to rich people's kids' education. Makes a lot of sense. Right? Makes a lot of sense. So going back creates a gap between what I did and what I should do. So winning creates a cycle of positive thoughts and decisions. It's it's a breakthrough, right? It's a series of good decisions on top of each other. It creates confidence, gives you more freedom to make decisions of what we need to do, right? So think of the mindset of those leaders who ideas constantly fail no matter what they try. So I was trying to put myself in the eyes of some of our some of our schools that are struggling, what what do those leaders think about? I mean, are they in that are they in that poverty consciousness? Are they in that, you know, it's okay that our schools got a D or an F because of the kids who come here, right? Because of our population. Like what what is it that continues that cycle, right? What is it that, that allows them not to learn from their losses? can't imagine being in that world, right? I can't imagine being in a in a world of 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 a of a poverty conscience, of a of a daily defeated thoughts, of being emotionally stuck. Not anymore, I can't think of it, but I'm I'm gonna tell you a story about when I was. So so in the book Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn, John Maxwell talks about some of these traps and, and I wanted to talk about some of these traps that I that I have definitely seen and experienced and done myself. So one is a mistake trap, right? So so you are afraid to make a mistake so you don't try. You're afraid to make a mistake so you don't try. The comparison trap. Well, they're just better at it. They have more money than we do. They can do this. They can do that program. So... There's just there's just no sense of us even taking a shot at it. That's not going to work at our school. That's not going to work in our organization. Oh, they must have more staff to do all those, you know, teacher teacher um, feedback sessions. How could they do that? Yeah, they must just have like, tons of coaches or something, right? You're always comparing, so you're comparing, so you're not going to take that risk and move forward instead of trying to figure out how to do it. The fatigue trap, right? When you lose. And you fail, you get fatigued. Uh, you know what? Let's not meet today, everybody. Everybody's tired. It's been a long week. Right? What is that really saying? What is that really saying when you cancel a staff meeting because people are tired? Are you saying you're not prepared? Or there's a fear. There's a fear of what you're going to present. There's a fear of having that conversation maybe with somebody. What is it? A timing trap. Oh, you know what? We'll start this 
next year. It'll be perfect when we start it next year. Right? Why does everybody's diet start on Monday? It's not the right timing on a Thursday or Friday. <laughs> it goes back to that, that fear that they're not going to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to change their habits. They're not going to be able to, you know, the fear they're going to make a mistake, a fear that they're going to fall off the wagon. So, you know what, the timing's going to be better next month. Yes, next month. Next month is when I'm going to start doing it. The perfection trap. Everybody wants to be perfect, right? You fall into a, a perfection trap that I've got to know everything about this program before I implement it. I've got to talk to everybody who's already done it. I've got to get it's just not right, right? It goes back to that timing, the timing and perfection trap. Rationalization trap. Have you ever had a conversation in your head where you've actually talked yourself out of doing something that will benefit you? <laughs> You're rationalizing in your head having this conversation right, about about how other people are going to think, well, what what do others think? Oh, no, it's not going to work. Uh, you know what? You know what? They're probably not there. I'm not going to call the parent now. Oh, you know what? Even though I just saw that teacher yell at a child, I don't want to interrupt their class. So I'll see you later at the staff meeting. That's the staff meeting you just canceled, right, because everybody's tired. I fell into all of these. I did I, these conversations I'm, I, I'm having. I did them. I did all of these. The expectation trap. You know, if I put this rule in place, expectation is everybody's going to have to follow it. And I don't know if I could hold everybody accountable, right? You're rationalizing. You're already telling yourself you're not going to be successful. And that all ties into the self-image trap. If you believe you can or cannot do something, you're right. If you believe you can or cannot do something, you're right. Les Brown said, and I love, I love Les Brown. If you haven't heard him, he's a great motivational speaker, and he tells you you've got to be hungry. You've got to be hungry to be successful. Hungry. He says, good times we put in our pocket and hard times we put in our heart. Isn't that true? You can, you can remember your failures a lot easier than you can remember the good things that happened to you. So here, here is one big time in my heart. I tried to write a bunch of them. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stick to this one because this one tells it all. From 1996 to 2006, I was an incredible contributor to the pockets of casinos, offshore gambling houses, and, and, and folks that I only knew their names as code words, you know, Pepsi or Lefty or whatever it was, whoever I was calling. I was T-Bone. T-Bone for Pepsi, I was called. And I was called. I was, I was a really, really bad gambler. Where I was just really good at losing, I'm not sure. One or the other. I lost well over $100,000 during this time. Well over, right? So imagine that in college and coming into a first-year teacher's salary in North Carolina. We only made $25,000 a year, right? So obviously, bankruptcy, right? So in that time, bankruptcy. I lost incredible credibility with friends and families and loved ones. I lost trust of my family and loved ones. 
and thousands of hours of time. Malcolm Gladwell, if you've read Outliers, he was right. If you practice something for 10,000 hours, you definitely mastered it, and I mastered losing. I was a giant, drunken, gambling loser. And that's what I thought of myself. I could not imagine a day going through my life without gambling. It was impossible to me even think of. Impossible. The only days I didn't gamble were days I couldn't find any money to put in my account, right? And I, got, I thought I got so smart because after I moved away from college and got a, an actual job, now I bet offshore sports books. So it was a little bit more legal, and I was only betting with the money that I had compared to the $10,000 you know, account that I had uh, of you know, credit at a gambling house. Right, that wasn't real money. I was only making, you know, four or five hundred bucks a week as a bartender. Ten thousand dollar credit lines with Lefty and Pepsi. <laughs> so I was, oh yeah, I've really grown up now. Now I use, you know, credit cards and real money. I use my paycheck to gamble. Right? Yeah. Remember, I, t- I already told you. I already told you that you're energy, or your uh, focus goes where your energy flows, and, and mine was flowing towards stupid for a while, for a long time. And yesterday when I was writing this and I was thinking about it, it was amazing to me when I was thinking about those really, just really bad times, those horrible times. And I can remember two specific games where I lost a lot. Neither of them I lost enough that made me stop gambling forever. Probably, probably would have been great, but I really didn't have good people around me. It was a game when Peyton Manning was a rookie quarterback against the Jets. Still remember, Jets were ahead 20-3 at halftime. All they had to do was win the game. They lost 24-23. Peyton Manning, rookie year, right? 1998 or so, 97-98. And then... Green Bay played Denver in the Super Bowl. Green Bay was a huge favorite, should have easily won the game, and John en- John Elway and Terrell Davis came in and just they just beat him bad, right? And I was just sitting there thinking, I said, you've got to be kidding me. So this is on February 12th, this Friday, will be my 10-year anniversary without gambling. Ten years. Haven't placed a bet since February 12, 2006. Ten years. Here's the Super Bowl being led by Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. And I'm writing this yesterday. I'm thinking, there's no – I said, Denver's going to win this game. I told my wife, I said, Denver's going to easily win this football game. Everything has aligned. There's a cycle of life, and here it is. It was unbelievable, the awareness that came to me. So what does that have to do with leadership? Yeah, yeah. So when I finally, on that day, February 12, 2006, I still remember where I was. I still remember the phone call I got. It was from my mom. She didn't sound really good. And I was at a dog park in Wilmington, North Carolina at the, I think it's called the Hallie Burton Park. And I just remember, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to be 50 and, and constantly chasing the wind, right? I don't want to feel like I just described. I don't want to feel defeated. I don't want to feel 
emotionally stuck. I don't want to re- try to remember the lies that I was telling, right? So, so when you're failing, you do anything to survive. I mean, you're just over and over and over again the definition of insanity. And I remember that, that was it. I was like, I was done. Put my foot in the ground. I said, I don't want to, I'm changing. Because after you get over the feelings of stupidity and anxiety and frustration and despair, it's time to move on, move from awareness to action, right? Move from awareness to action. Be who you want to be. Be the leader you want to be. Be the person you want to be, right? Don't accept failure anymore. Learn from it, all right? So here were some steps, you know, for your journal. So here were, here were some things. When I really, really sat down and said, you know, I, there's 11 things, so there's a few, but some things that you really need to 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 come into practice when you're when you're trying to figure out what went wrong, why you failed. Number one, look at the reality. What went wrong? What was wrong? What is causing this failure? What went wrong? When did it go wrong? Really journal it out and tweeze out the factors of your failure. Was there people? Was there warning signs? I mean, what was it that you missed in your failure? What was it that you missed? Every time that I lost a teacher or had to fire a teacher or whatever it was, I always thought back to their, to their, to their phone call, to their um, supervisor phone calls, to their references, and just really thought about what did, what did that guy say to me? or the words that he used when I asked specific questions. Like, what was it? Because I did not want to fa- I had already learned to fail really well for 10 years, and I, 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 I don't accept failure. It's not even in my vocabulary. I hate that word. So really tweeze out the factors when things don't go how you want them. Right? Let's not use the word failure. Where things don't, don't, end up visionary. Who, what people were with you, what warning signs did you miss? Why did it go wrong? That's number three. Why did it go wrong? Right? In what way did it not get to your vision? I'm a very visionary purpose, uh, or a, a visionary person, so I'm always kind of envisioning what I want the business to be doing and, 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 and what it's going to look like and, and, and how, you know, trainings and retreats and, you know, coaching sessions and, and when we start our leadership bus tour, I mean, I'm always, always, always thinking, and I, so if, if things don't go well, I re- why didn't it not go right, right? Who was it? What was the reason? How did I contribute to the failure? Right? That's number four. How did I contribute to the failure? What, what did I, what could I have done differently? Was it poor communication? Was it I didn't equip the person? Did I, did I put the wrong person on the bus? They, you know, what was it? How did I contribute? We have to look at ourselves, look in the mirror, the wall of the mirror. You've got to look at yourself. How did I contribute to this failure? Number five, where could I have made different choices, right? So as you're tweezing out and you're starting to pull out these little pockets of information that you're going to keep in your brain forever, where could I have made a different choice? I, I, I'll never forget a teacher that I hired. I had two choices to fill this very, very 
turnover-prone science teaching position, and I had two applicants, and one was in-house, and she had never taught in middle school before. She had never taught before. She was a teacher assistant. She was a really good person, really nice person. And then I had this other teacher who was coming outside who had 10 years of experience, but she ran a daycare into the ground, and I was afraid of the public, you know, it was kind of well known that she ran this daycare into the ground and kind of left a lot of people high and dry. And I was, I was afraid, what would she do to me? Would she do the same thing? So I didn't hire her. And I hired the in-house person because there was some internal, you should really hire this person because of XYZ. She's really good. She's been with the organization for a while. She didn't last three weeks, everybody. She didn't last three weeks. I think even if less than three weeks because she put her hands on kids. And the first thing I did is I called that other person back. I said, oh, please tell me you haven't gotten a job. She goes, no, I've already started. I was just, oh, oh, what did I do? What did I do? And I went back through, I went back through this list, and I was like, here's all the things I did wrong. I put my ego ahead. I let other people talk me into it. I didn't trust my gut. I didn't, I didn't think with the kids in mind. I didn't put the kids' mind first. That's a, that was a big professional bump in the road for me. Right? It was horrible dealing with that situation. Okay, so where could you have made different choices? Go back and think through so you don't do it again. Because that's number six. What can I learn from this failure? What can I learn from this failure when Jeff and I and our team and Bud, when we're out there at schools, we always debrief after, say, okay, what can we learn from this school's poor choices that we can help counsel another school, right? Or what can we put into our teachings to make sure that other schools are aware of it so they're thinking about it, so they're being responsive and not reactive. The next part you could journal is to find others who overcame. Right? Who else overcame? Uh, helping some schools through some big financial debt right now. And the first thing I asked, um, I called DPI and said, hey, who are some other schools that got out of this, you know, financial mess that we could possibly call and learn what did they do? Right? Go find other people that have, that have overcome the same issues. All right? Because innovation is a strong deterrent to overcome failure. All right, innovation and ideas and changing and doing things differently is huge, is huge for your organization to overcome failure. Schools that are not innovative and don't take risks and bring on new ideas fall into destination disease. They just stay the status quo. Once you have all that down, how will I apply it to my future decisions? I never, ever, ever let anybody talk me into hiring someone after that. Never. And I never let someone go that I had a good feeling that I found a way to get them in the organization. Never would I ever take that. I mean, there were so many factors that was the wrong person to hire. I didn't trust. I didn't trust myself. What do I still need to learn, right? Improvement 
you've got to be growing as a leader. So what are some things I still need to learn? Remember, you're not required to do everything, but you're responsible for it. So you should learn. You should have a definitely an understanding. I was just at the Charter School Advisory Board this morning for an hour, and they were talking about charter school transportation. And one of the myths out there is that charter schools don't get money for transportation, and I know they do. There's a study done. It all depends on which LEA they're in, but they all get money. They all get a piece of the pie. All right. So you so you got to know those those types of information. They all get about between 250 and 270 bucks per pupil. It's like, wow. When this gets out, a lot of people are going to have have some different thoughts. What do I still need to learn? You got to be constantly in a state of learning. Celebrate the small wins along the way. It's really, really important. Remember I talked about, okay, losing creates a gap between what I did and what I should do, and winning creates a cycle of positive thoughts and decisions and breakthroughs and confidence and more freedoms to make decisions to what you need to do. So, so you really, you've you got to be celebrating those wins. It doesn't matter how you celebrate. You don't need a cupcake and, and you know, candles. Just celebrate when things go well, give yourself a pat on the back. Give your team a pat on the back. Give the accolades where the accolades are due. Tell people specifically what they did to create a breakthrough, what they did. And then lastly, what will you teach others, right? What are you going to teach others? From this experience, from this failing experience, what are you going to teach other people how to do, right? how you failed, how you lost, whether you speak at a conference, whether you teach your leadership team, whether you teach other, you know, aspiring leaders, you tell your teachers, it's always good to be vulnerable in front of your people because it brings off a, you know, authentic, authentic behavior, really important. So let me tell you something. I'm going to finish with this. Let me tell you something. There, here's the first thing that I learned. It's hard to create a new you if you're hanging around with the same people and have the same thoughts and have the same goals and have the same habits. The only way you're going to change mindset is to change who you hang around with, what you watch, what you read, what you do on a daily basis. Remember, we have, we've said this a thousand times on these calls. The success of a person can be found on their daily agenda. So it's important to let go of your traps, especially the trap of perfection. So keep trying. Don't argue with your limitations. Don't argue for your limitations. All right? Don't, don't let those traps fall into your head. Don't rationalize. Success doesn't respond to wishes. So to achieve what you really, really want, you need a definite purpose backed by a burning desire to succeed, a definite plan expressed in continuous action, and your mind closed tightly against all negative forces, thoughts, and comments. And surround yourself with a friendly alliance, an accountability partner. For me, it was a Gamblers Anonymous group. Right? I surrounded myself with like-minded people. It was amazing to think about the whole mastermind aspect, I was surrounding myself with other people that were just 
as big or more of a loser than I was. But we all had one definite purpose, backed by a definite plan of action. And we would not let negative thoughts creep into our head. And that is how I learned from my losses. And in the last 10 years, I can tell you, I finished my master's and my doctorate degree. I've had multiple leadership opportunities in the state. I've got two kids. I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. I'm a better friend. You know, I, I just know that my daily, daily actions over time are creating a better mindset. And that's what I hope for you and for what I hope you to teach your friends, colleagues, and members of your team. That is my teaching for this morning. I hope it added value to you. There was maybe one or two golden nuggets. I'm going to open up the queue if anybody wants to, to hop in, if you had a thought about failure, if you want to talk about some more professional failures that I've had. I had a bunch, but I thought that was maybe my best example. So I'll give a couple seconds if anybody wants to say hello, hop in, talk about the football game last night, talk about what you're working on. Uh, we've got about a half a dozen people on the call that you know can definitely be your thinking partner for that. Number star six will get you into the queue. Sorry, star six gets you into the queue. And then hit a number one and it'll pop you right in there. All right. Well, while I'm waiting to talk about the few books that I mentioned, so if you ever want to go back, the first book that I mentioned was Napoleon and Hill, Hank and Grow Rich. It is a book uh, where he took 20 years studying and, and uh, uh, Thomas Edison and um, Carnegie Mellon, um, uh, Carnegie Mellon, Andrew Carnegie, sorry, um, and Mellon and all those really successful, the most successful, richest human beings um, in the early 19th century. He spent 20 years uh, studying them and it's a great book. It's not necessarily I mean it is about getting rich but it's but it's I'm telling you you could use it every chapter for any aspect of your life. It's so it's such a, a great read. Um, and then the other book was uh, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn uh, by John Maxwell. So he has an adult version and there's also a teen version. So it would be a great resource uh, for you and your, for you yourself, uh, but also to to you know get in the hands of your teachers, and they could uh, be getting them in the hands of students. It's something that we're doing uh, here, and we hope uh, not. We hope we will. I'm not going to hope for anything. We're going to do it. Uh, we're going to get Youth Max in. We our goal is at least 10, 10 schools in uh, in the North Carolina in the fall once we once we nail all the all the lessons how we want. So. All right, not seeing anybody in the queue. So have an incredible rest of your week. Okay, remember, uh, I'll send out a, um, an email. I'll have Jeff send out with those a list of 11 things uh, that I did. Um, so you'll have it. And, and, and please, 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 every time something goes not the way that you wanted it to, we're not going to use the word failure, it didn't turn out the way you wanted. Take time to journal, reflect, and think because evaluative experience is all that matters. And remember these three things. Uh, I believe in you. We love you. We know you can do it. So 
if you've got a question, reach out to us, and we're we're happy to be your partner through this. That's why you have invested in these opportunities. Have a great day, everybody.